0: Welcome to the 442nd episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney, and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in southwest Florida. Welcome, and thank you for listening. Well, we're now into August. I'm about to turn 61 years young. It's not near as bad as it was last year. I'm in my 60s now, so I'm okay with all this. It's just a matter of how much I can push the limits. Um, but anyway, training is going pretty good. I'm more training the Young German Shepherd 3.0 than I am myself these days. So we're doing about four miles, and then I do a hill on the treadmill and put the elevation up. But for the most part, my mileage is really slow because we're taking a lot of time timeouts to... Um, work on our banners and uh, it's if you've ever run with a large dog you know that they need to run in the right spot or you'll both be on the ground and certainly I want him to behave and not be reactive to other dogs or other situations and be a gentleman so it's taking some time we have good days and bad days but all in all we're, we're coming along and, and it's good and he gets his his exercise in no i haven't started swimming yet um i'm gonna next maybe next week maybe uh, it probably be two weeks before i start uh addy and caleb are coming in for their visit while our strength coach goes to camp uh so we'll probably hit the pool maybe once but uh, for the most part i have an endless pool here that they'll swim in uh, but i haven't got to doing laps again so i'm gonna have to buck up and, and get that going uh, in the next uh, week or so. So that's still on the docket because we have a swim run in November. We have a 60k in October. So have got to keep it going. I have turned back towards my pull-ups for people wondering what my pull-up situation is. I kind of let them go towards the Leadville training a little bit. So I'm having to kind of revamp and, and work on my upper body strength because after using poles in Leadville I think my upper body has to be uh, strong as it can if we're going to go further so uh, I've been you know focusing on pull-ups and push-ups and shoulder work and um, the other thing that I want to be able to do is a pistol squat so it's basically a one-legged squat with your leg out so those are my goals as far as the weight room goes. so all those require some training uh, in those areas and mobility in those areas to be able to do that. Um, I'm also taking advantage of our mobility class uh, that we have every Monday in the office where I uh, have been teaching uh, some back uh, and posture type activities, again, to work on mobility, uh, back anchors. And so that has helped me a lot and I think it's helped um, uh, the people that do the class a lot as well. When I go to the grocery store or airport or wherever there's people that I'm standing around kind of waiting in line for something I I kind of notice people's posture and it is really scary uh, to note um, especially young people's posture you know the cell phone with the head forward but there's so many people that stand uh, with a very high degree of anterior pelvis pelvis tilt knock knee um walk with their feet like a duck you know so it's all revolves around um a lack of um, glute strength a lack of abdominal engagement um and you just see man if these people are like this early on what's going to happen is they get older um so we're focusing on it a lot in our uh, in our practice to try to make people's posture um good and to encourage core engagement because they're a lot of exercises such as bird dogs and planks and if you don't do them right you can you know you can do a lot of them wrong and not really help yourself and and potentially even hurt yourself i i think i was in that category at one point doing planks for four or five minutes but i wasn't in the right posture position i think it actually made things worse for me a little bit so um there's a lot to be learned from from that and so i'm enjoying learning learning that and teaching that in The medical profession, it's kind of see one, do one, teach one. So instead of interventional procedures, I'm kind of doing it with the back procedures and posture. So a lot of fun to be had by all. Um, I've got some notes for today's podcast. I think I'm going to reverse the order I had things in because I think I want to start with the good news first, perhaps, or the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, There's so much bad press, or there's so much press around Ozempic and the light medications for. not so much diabetes control, but weight loss. And even Weight Watchers has partnered uh, to get Ozempic as part. You know, again, it's not your fault. Um, you you just need to take a pill, and and you'll be able to lose weight. And that pill, or no, it's not pill, it's an injection. And that injection will decrease your ability for your stomach to empty its contents, so it'll be full all the time, so you won't eat as much, and then you'll lose weight. Then you'll get some of these things under control, but. Uh, bad things are starting to come out, just like every drug that's released too early and applied to populations that it wasn't ever intended for, but there's increased risk of depression. Um, there's side effects of um, uh, one ER um, uh, study looked at a, a market increase in ER visits for nausea and vomiting, uncontrolled vomiting because of Ozempic. Um, so, you know, there, there, you know, I say over and over there's no quick fix to any of these, uh conditions and a medicine that makes you sick to make you lose weight is really not in anyone's best interest and um, i think you know you get so many more positive um positive so much more positive energy out of doing something and accomplishing something on your own as opposed to either having it done for you or having some quick and dirty procedure done to to make things look better on the outside but you really haven't changed the underlying problem and you know, a Zempic is the same thing. It's not changing the underlying problem while the world's getting um, more and more obese. Uh, The problem is what we're eating. And it's not, you know, I'll go as far as saying it's it's not because people are eating meat. It's not because people are eating carbohydrates. It's not because people aren't getting enough protein. They're getting too much. Um, and, And that's, and they're getting too much process. And that's really the big uh, the big takeaway is people are getting too many things that are progress, processed and they're not doing anything to prepare it on their own, and the quality of the food is bad. So people are eating out of gas stations, out of Dollar General stores, out of fast food restaurants, and they wonder why they're, they're morbidly obese. And giving somebody a shot to suppress their appetite uh, or to cause them to not empty their stomach is not the answer. And so how could that possibly treat Um, the psychological issues that people have associated with being overweight. You know, telling somebody it's okay to be big is not going to fix. People know that it's not okay to be big and overweight. They know that. uh, And they don't want to be overweight. But we're not addressing the problem and and, and really coming to terms with the, the problem associated with it. So, um, you know, I'm not a fan of diet, diet drugs and diet hacks and, uh, and gimmicks. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of looking to see what the problem is and addressing that problem for what it is. That being said, um, there's one thing in the vegan world, uh, that people talk about, and uh, it, it's like what to drink. Um, you know, I have people telling me that they're tired of just drinking water. And of course we know that sugary sodas aren't the best thing to do. Uh, but kombucha and uh, is an alternative. And if you haven't ever, if you don't know what kombucha is, it is a fermented black tea that is fermented using uh, what is commonly known as a SCOBY, which is a symbi- symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. And that SCOBY, you can, you can um, a lot of people make their kombucha at home, but it's, buried, it's in every grocery store now. Um, some places it's even on tap, and it's, uh, what happens is you take black tea that's sweetened with sugar and you expose it to the SCOBY and the bacteria, um, or the, the, the uh, yeast, um, ferment the sugar into alcohol, and the bacteria for, take the alcohol and turn it into um, acetic acid and butyric acid, which are actually helpful um, acids, and they're actually helpful for diabetes, it turns out. The end result is a drink that has is somewhat fizzy. So, and it can be flavored with a little bit of fruit juice. Um, that it comes, so you might get a ginger hibiscus one, or you might get a. Um, they have some with turmeric. They have some with passion fruit. Um, but there's not there's very little calories to them and it's you know again it's it's somewhat like um the same acid as is what apple cider vinegar would be but it's not as tart and so it's and it has a fruit flavor to it so it's much more palatable and has a little fizz to it so it's like a soft drink in some respects um, but it actually has some health benefits so because of the fermentation uh, it actually may help your gut micro biome diversify so that's a good thing If you drink too much of it, you can get a little gassy because of the fizziness of it, but there was actually a study done at the University of Nebraska looking at how it affects glucose over a month uh, period of time. So they took uh, people and they gave them um, six weeks of um, kombucha, and then they they switched it around and, and took it away, and they looked at... What um, their glucoses were and um, how they actually fared, and it turned out that one month of kombucha decreased fasting glucose in the range of about one, from one sixty four fasting to one sixteen versus one sixty two to one forty one in the control group when they when they didn't. Um, so that was it was very small study, and they drank. Eight ounces of the kombucha with dinner for actually it was four weeks, and then they did a washout period for six weeks, and then they they went without. So the same people experienced with kombucha glucose their glucose[s] and without kombucha, their glucose[s] and it had a positive effect. Um, you know, so there are there is some sugar in it, in uh, a little, but again it's low calories. But how that might work, again, is that the microbes in the kombucha. Uh, also produce some powerful antioxidants like polyphenols um and they have some organic acids and alkaloids and they have a little bit of caffeine and it's actually thought uh to help um, it decreases the starch digestion and decreases the glucose that's absorbed from your system um and acetic acid that's produced uh from the fermentation acts like uh, acetic acid in apple cider vinegar to help with glucose control so um it's a pretty cool thing. Uh, if you are a diabetic or anybody that, that contemplated um, trying kombucha, I you know would encourage you to give it a shot. There is some alcohol left over after the fermentation, but it's 1.5%, so it doesn't have to be labeled as an alcoholic beverage. Um, in pregnancy, it is cautioned a little bit. Um, I would guess it's somewhere along the line of non-alcoholic beer, maybe less, I'm not sure, uh, even if it's that much. They also looked at you know, um, what, um, what else you could do with this SCOBY. So if you've ever seen it, it looks like, it looks like a disc. Uh, if you've ever cultured anything on Petri dishes, it kind of looks like that Petri culture medium. Uh, but it's kind of a rubbery, light yellow, tan uh, disc, so to speak. Uh, that floats on top of the tea and does the fermentation some people if you look into people that are really into kombucha uh, do things with it as a, uh, a cleaner and some people actually eat the scoby if there's a little bit left in the jar if you don't filter it it won't hurt you if you swallow it um but they actually, another, another study or another investigation looked at, at whether you use that SCOBY material in frying things, would you decrease the fat? So um, junk food is typically fried in oil, and if you've ever fried anything, um, it, the, the substance readily takes up the oil, which makes it more fatty. So if you fry you know, a vegetable that has very low fat, it takes up all the oil and becomes more fatty. Of course, if you fry something fatty, it becomes even more fatty. So they actually did this study where they looked at frying donuts with the SCOBY as one of the ingredients um, and instead of so much fat, and they were actually able to decrease the oil content in the donut from 28% down to 15%. Now I am not advocating going out and get getting scoby fried donuts, but it, don't don't uh, don't be too much don't be too surprised if someday you don't see them on the shelf. But I, I kind of looked at like so what would it be if you decreased a donut from 28 percent fat to 15 percent, you know, to 15 percent fat? So I looked up what a Krispy Kreme was. A Krispy Kreme donut has 190 calories, 17 of which is uh, fat, which makes of the calories that come from a Krispy Kreme donut, um, fat calories. There are 88% 88 of the um, 190 calories, or 46% come from carbohydrates. So again, when people say, um, I lost weight because I gave up carbs, and they said they gave up donuts, they really meant they gave up fat. uh, Because you can't eat donuts on a ketogenic diet because of the carbohydrates, and you can't eat... Uh, you know, so you're, you're eliminating more fat than you are carbohydrate. Uh, nevertheless, uh, if you decreased, uh, the Krispy Kreme fat content by 53%, then you would have a donut that gets 30% of its calories from fat. So it would be the equivalent of just a bad, um, you know, a bad, you know, a bad snack, so to speak. But when I looked at Krispy Kreme ingredients even further, Um, you know there is a whole host of oils associated with them palm oil partially hydrogenated cottonseed oil uh, partially hydrogenated Uh, soybean oil which most of the time is genetically modified milk powder so Krispy Kremes are not vegan Uh, tricalcium phosphate which is a thickener Uh, and the glaze has more of this partially hydrogenated stuff which is very inflammatory associated with cardiovascular disease so even if they fry your donut in kombucha scoby it's still not going to be worth eating so stay away which takes me into another study about the ketogenic diet so this is a very high fat diet so you don't even want a lot of protein in a ketogenic diet you want as much fat as you possibly can get and so there was a UK study looking at a database um, looking at a ketogenic diet versus a standard American diet so If we, um, you know, looked at a standard American diet being 30, 35% of the calories from fat uh, or probably 35 to 40% uh, from fat versus, you know, more than 60, 70% from fat. And so they uh, had 70,000 participants plus participants to choose from. They looked at their lipids. They looked at their apoB, which is a apoB level is all the cholesterol uh, lipoprotein. So it's a much greater, it's a much better marker, really, of cardiovascular disease uh, risk even than LDL. Um, and they looked at 1,220 people on the standard American diet, and so they the low carb, high fat diet, and everybody had. Uh, They had a body mass index of about 27.7, and the SAD diet had 26.6. So both were categorized as overweight. Um, And they measured their uh, incidence of um, heart failure, LDL, ApoB, and they followed them for 11 years, and they did some questionnaires, and they also controlled for heart disease, diabetes, obesity, smoking, hypertension. The low-fat—I'm sorry—the low-carb, high-fat diet had two times the severity in cardiovascular events as the standard American diet. So we take a bad diet, and you can make it two times worse by eating a ketogenic diet. Um, they had more strokes, uh, more stenosis requiring immediate intervention, um, more peripheral vascular disease. Um, they had 9.8% had a new cardiac event in 11 years versus 43 in the standard American group. Um, and the people that had the highest LDL had the most events. So when you see all this stuff on the Internet saying LDL is not associated with events, um, you know, here's another study showing that, in fact, in fact it is. Um, so, you know, again, a ketogenic diet versus a, a regular bad diet is still worse. Um, So, you know, the only benefit is if somebody lost a bunch of weight, then they temporarily might improve some symptoms. But again, the damage that they're doing with the fat deposition uh, in their in their muscles, uh, the protein loss um, and the other things that, you know, the the metabolic waste um, is is certainly going to come back and bite them. You know, I think I clicked one time on Twitter on a carnivore diet just to see what these people were saying and kind of follow along and seeing if there's any research, and it, it just irritates me so bad. Uh, and they quote all these studies about how, you know, people were talking about how good they feel and how muscular they are. And, they you know, this, there's a doctor on there that, you know, always has his shirt off, and he's big, and he's on, you know, he's got big muscles, and apparently he also takes he has this, the androgen steroid used to prove it. And then they, of course, they throw poor old skinny pasty white Dr. Gregor under the bus and say you could look like him if you're a vegan, you know. So we got the worst of the worst uh, versus the, you know, most chemically uh, toned of the other. Uh, and, you know, what? which one do you want to be, so to speak? Um, I don't know about you, but if you look at anybody that's lived a long time, a blue zoner or anybody that they even throw the blue zoners under the bus saying it's not true. But if you look at anybody that, you know, has lived a long time, they're usually not, you know, look, they don't look like the Incredible Hulk. Um, All that, you know, all that muscle growth comes at a price because you have to increase your tour. You have to increase a lot of growth products um, in your body. That's also going to increase a lot of growth products that, that cause cancer as we age. Um, so we weren't meant to get bigger as we, we get older. Um, but anyway, I, you know, you never know. So I, um, I, I, wanted to look into some of these studies that, you know, people are quoting, um, about the carnivore diet and really I can't find anything, you know, because people say tens of thousands of people are on this diet and they're, you know, they're, they're doing so well and, it, and I, I can't find anybody old at all. Uh, that's eating a carnivore diet for the last 30 years. I can't find any di- any study that looks more than 14 months. I can't find any study that um, doesn't just involve a questionnaire and self-reported, I feel great, as opposed to some sort of biomarker. And most of the time, their cholesterol goes way up, and they say, well, I'm okay despite that. Well, you're okay for now uh, when nobody's looking perhaps, but you know the shoe's going to drop at some point. So there's there's nothing really to, you know, document these people's progress over the over the time. And again, you show them, um, you you see them, and they're always eating you know twelve or fifteen eggs. They they never just eat a regular standard portion. They're eating these huge amounts of things. At least that's what they're they're putting on there, and you know multiple pieces of meat and. You know, to me, that's gluttony. Um, And if you have to eat that much, and they talk about, well, you have to eat organs, so you have to figure out how you can learn to like liver um, because you have to get your vitamins somewhere. And they also, you have to eat these big portions, apparently, because that's the only way you're going to get the minuscule amounts of vitamin C to keep you from getting scurvy. Um, So, and, and most of them do some sort of supplement or cheat days on the side anyway. But... I don't know about you, but I'm, I really am interested in having more vitamin C than just enough to prevent scurvy. I, I kind of like to have this antioxidant. We know so many good things about our immune system and vitamin C, our health and vitamin C, anti-cancer and vitamin C, um, that I, I, I want more than just the minuscule amounts uh, associated with uh, eating, you know, six steaks and 12 or 15 eggs. And, you know, again, the inflammation studies that are out there, they took somebody that, that's morbidly obese and they, they you know, gave them a little bit of meat and they lost weight because they were eating, they're eating many, much less calories than they were when they were morbidly obese. And yes, they, they still feel better. If you take weight off of anybody anyhow they're going to feel better. So if you go from 300 pounds to 200 pounds, you're going to feel better. I don't care how you did it for the most part. Maybe a zempic is going to make you depressed, but uh, for the most part, if you get that 100 pounds off, it's going to really lighten your load uh, and improve your inflammatory markers and make you feel good. The question is, how do you sustain uh, that and how do you not start accumulating metabolic waste that, that end up causing the problems? And you you always see these people eating uh, this, you know, they're always grilling, you know, grilling these steaks. And when you grill meat, um, and you have to to get rid of the, you know, risk of getting all kinds of worms and, you know, uh, infections, you uh, increase heterocyclic amines, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons uh, are associated with grilling and frying. Um, If you put cheese on something, it makes it worse. Um, if you add plants to that diet, it um, soy and fruit uh, probably decreases that risk. But the question was, how about smokers? You know, those smoker things that they put wood in and they smoke things all day. Well, it turns out that you generate a lot of hydrocarbons and polycyclic uh, uh, there as well. And all these are associated with increasing in, in GI cancers, um, 25% increased risk of colon cancers and. Um, high versus low intake of meat. Um, so, you know, portions, and in, in, in the studies, portions do matter. So, the more, um, the larger portion of meat, uh, the larger portion of these chemicals, um, that, you know, you're going increase, to increase the risk. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's kind of childlike to show, um, you know, eating 12 eggs and five steaks and, oh, I feel great because I'm taking anabolic steroids. Um, I, you know, I, I know people, people like wonder what if, but there's, there's no way around accumulating the metabolic waste, not getting the antioxidants. And, and most of these people say that antioxidants aren't real and that, and that meat actually decreases inflammation. And there's absolutely no proof of it. So don't get suckered into thinking that you can, um, you know, live on steak and eggs and, and be healthy. It just doesn't happen. And then, you know, speaking of hormones, there was uh, yet another study looking at um, uh, hormones associated hormone replacement therapy with menopause and increased risk of dementia. So they started looking back and um, looked at the increased risk of all uh, all cause dementia, so whether it's Alzheimer' vascular dementia, and they looked at. Uh, people that were on just one year of hormones, uh, people that started their hormones before age 55, people that started their hormones after age 55, and the, the really the um, end result of the study was: is the more, the longer you took um, hormone therapy uh, and, and conjugated estrogens, um, the higher the risk, uh, even if you start at less than 55, even even at a year, um, and. There have been some studies over the past that, that questioned that, but there was another study, the Women's Health Initiative, that was published in 2003, which was a randomized trial, placebo-controlled, that increased women over 65 that were on conjugated estrogens. Um, and we don't even know long-term because most of the uh, estrogen studies, and then people were on estrogen and progesterone so that they were cyclic, uh, it was actually even worse. So the progesterone probably adds more of a negative effect. Again, that people were placed on progesterone thinking that, that was more protective and decreased the risk of cancer in the uterus because the uterus would slough. So, you know, and of course the studies were stopped early because there was increased risk of heart attack. So we know that there's already an increased risk of vascular events with postmenopausal hormone use. Now there's an increased risk uh, in dementia um, and the majority of it were prob- was probably vascular dementia. About twenty six percent was classified as Alzheimer's. Um, there was it was worse if the more uh, you had a little bit less risk um, in higher educated, higher socioeconomic uh, uh, group. But nevertheless, um, you know, that also takes into a lot of other things too, Um, you know, nutrition and so forth, smoking status and all that too. So um, the reality of it is, and and the other thing about it is, you know, so we know that postmenopausal hormone therapy increases your risk of cardiovascular disease. We also know that increases your risk of of cancer Um, and to the point where we take hormones away from people that have had breast cancer. So I think most people are in agreement of that. Uh, And now we have another reason not to do it. So if you have hot flashes, if you have postmenopausal symptoms, the best thing you can do is normalize your body mass index, take in soy products, which are beneficial any way you can, whether it's soy milk, tofu, soybeans, edamame, um, tempeh, that's where you want to that's what you want to do uh, and exercise that's going to improve your postmenopausal symptoms and 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 prevent osteoporosis we don't need hormone therapy um, replacement therapy to to do that Uh, again it comes back to uh, for some reason we want to sit on the couch and take a medication that'll keep us young and beautiful young and healthy or and make us not have to work for it and it just doesn't exist um, we have to move our bodies. We have to move our bodies more and do more strength training after um, after menopause because we want to combat muscle mass loss um, and mitochondrial loss. Because that's when bad things start to happen is when our mitochondria and our muscles start falling off. So there's no time there's no time for downtime to, to sit and um, you know just not do anything. To to be out and do things is is, is to live and to live a good life. Uh, and we need to keep we need to stop putting negative connotations around um, uh, exercise and eating right i heard someone talk today you know about oh you know i if i have to give up croissants you know will ever be able to have one it doesn't seem fair that i have this diabetes and i can't eat this and i can't eat that i'm gonna have to eat vegetables the rest of my life if i don't want to be on insulin and it's like no you do have a choice you do have a choice. Um, but it's, it's even more than that body composition is huge. As we get older, people that are, that are prone to diabetes tend to have more adipose in the central adipose, skinnier arms, skinnier legs, less muscle mass. So it's really important to combat that with, with exercise. Um, there's no pill that's going to fix that no matter how much nausea we have that we don't eat. Uh, even people that, that are skinny and smoke, Tend to have more abdominal fat uh, than than visceral than uh, peripheral fat, so um, you know we need to 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 take the negative connotations about working and, and about exercising and about eating right and celebrate them. That we have the ability to do that and actually take control of our health uh, and be able to direct our future as opposed to being a victim. You know, you're 55 and you're postmenopausal and your life is over and. You're going to fall apart, and you're going to get all these diseases. It does not have to be that way. You don't have to be a victim of these diseases. It's a matter of taking control. Uh, you don't have to be a victim of obesity. It's, you know, it's not in your genetics that's causing the problem. And even if you have, um, you know, um, uh, people have psychological uh, um, dependencies because of maybe past trauma but again, once you recognize those things, then it's time to move on. It's time to move on. We and and choose. To, you know, I like Sally McRae. I got to get her on the podcast. I think choose to be strong, uh, choose to be in control, and and that's empowering. Um, you know, we let people say, you know, go ahead, and you know, you can wear you know, nice clo- here's how we'll hide it with your clothes, or this is how we'll hide it with surgery, or this is how we'll, we'll give you a medication to take it go away, or a surgical procedure, That it's only benefiting the people that are selling those products. It's not benefiting you, um, and it's not really what we, we need to do. So um, never found a study yet um, saying that exercise is bad, i uh, never found a study yet saying that people that are plant-based, you know, just fall apart and wither away and die. Um, so, and I've never heard anybody that, you know, uh, if you start to look or you find somebody that's really doing well at a later age, they're, they're, they're vital. They're out there doing something every day. They're moving their bodies. They're exercising um, and not making excuses, um, you know, we need an hour to an hour and a half of zone two, which is basically a heart rate that's uh, about 65, 70 percent of your predicted maximum heart rate. That's 220 minus your age, 60 to 70 percent of that. Do that for an hour to an hour and a half a day uh, and, and you'll do just fine. Uh, you can kick it up a little bit, but it doesn't have to be painful. Even if you do, you know, a little strength training eight times a day, it doesn't have to be painful. You know, household work, household chores work, gardening works, but you still need the cardiovascular. Uh, and we all have an hour. You know, we all have that hour we can manage to squeeze in and do something. Um, get up a little earlier, if need be, um, and uh, rearrange your schedule so that you have time to, to make yourself healthy and not dependent on uh, medications and procedures to to keep you alive. Because it's it, in the end, it's it's not a life well lived. Um, so that's my spiel for today my daughter the registered dietitian and my grandson are coming in we're going to swim we're going to run Uh, we're going to go see sharks and turtles and alligators we're going to be outside doing things Uh, and we're going to eat plant-based and we're going to enjoy it and um uh, we're going to eat lots of fruit. I got uh, a good source of mangoes, uh, so we've we got you know lots of mangoes to eat, papayas, watermelons, fresh fruit, fresh vegetables. Uh, life is good. I'm not missing out anything by not eating um, you know fried fast foods or croissants or sugary desserts. We're not missing out on that. Uh, we're enjoying life because we're not uh, involved in that. So, I would encourage you to do the same and i'll check in with you next week maybe i'll convince that registered dietitian to come on with me and uh we'll talk about uh maybe a surprise or two who knows all right talk to you later thanks for listening oh you know and if you want to join our practice we'd love to have you um we've got we've got some room uh we do online memberships uh where you i call you uh and and Addie calls you once a a month you can have access to our mobility class and the nutrition classes that we do once a week they're on zoom they're all online so uh, not being in port charlotte florida is no issue um, Addie does a a, a nutrition only uh, level one consultation practice where she talks to people once a once a month uh, but we're an active practice uh, we're into mobility posture yoga eating right and being healthy so if you want to be part of that and you want to do some work uh, go over to drdelaney.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-D-U-L-A-N-E-Y.com and figure out how you can join. Sign up, it's easy, a couple clicks here and there. Um, you can email me, jamie at drdelaney, J-A-M-I at drdelaney.com for more information. I'd love to talk to you. If you think it's not a fit and you want to talk to me directly, I'd love to, love to talk to you about the practice. So give us an email and we'll set that up for you at no charge. Sophie says it is time for me to throw the blue ball now, so have a good night. Thanks.